Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I sincerely hope you are joining us for part two after listening to part one of um, all the business that the Premier League teams need to do in the transfer window. Just to quickly recap, they can buy, they can loan or they can sell players going both ways. It's just one bit of business that any of the teams need to do. I am joined as ever with John. John, we left things last time at Newcastle. Do you want to give us your pick for them, please? Of course. So Newcastle, yeah, one that, again, probably both of us are thinking there are financial fair play limitations with Newcastle United. They've been linked previously with Ruben Neves. Both players, camp and club, have said that's not going to happen following a bit of you know negative publicity around that one. I still think the best route for them to go down, um, Calvin Phillips has not moved as quickly as I thought it probably would do. And there's now links with him potentially going to Juventus. So Marcelo Brozovic, obviously at Al-Nasir, could be a loan option for them for the rest of the season until Tenali comes back from his hiatus. Um, Joel Linton looks like he's out for the rest of the season as well. So their options in midfield are diminishing relatively quickly. Um, and I think if you were able to get someone like Brozovic on a six-month loan, that would be an absolutely outstanding piece of business. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, Roberto Martinez's best player of 2023, he voted uh, Brozovic. So clearly high stock. Um, I've actually gone for something very similar. Um, you're not going to like this one, but Roberto Firmino. Newcastle pride themselves on a striker. Obviously, you've got Isaac, you've got Wilson, but I think they've just got such little squad depth. Um, I was listening to a piece The Athletic did actually, super interesting, basically on the City game and various other games that they've had this year. But other teams above them are just able to make changes. You'll remember it from Darwin Nunez's two-goal cameo. And currently, at the weekend, Newcastle's only recognisable face who wasn't a goalkeeper or a youth teamer was Matt Ritchie who hasn't yeah. started a Premier League game all year. So they've got nothing on their bench. And despite having Wilson, who I think is actually injured at the minute, um, and Isaac, I just think if you can get a loan deal and it's workable within the constraints of your budget, that just makes a lot of sense to me. Firmino, great goals per game clip. You could play him at Cam if you wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, I think he's a really good, really versatile player who apparently isn't happy with life in Saudi. And could that be a pill that they would be prepared to swallow where he joins a P PIF invested in club um, rather than exits the Saudi project overall? Potentially. I think you're going to be looking at that for a number of players. The Saudi project at this minute in time needs a bit of a regen because some of the big, big names are pretty publicly coming out and, and showing to be quite disgruntled with the whole situation which is not what they want um whether that includes short-term loan options to get them back to europe for a few months here and there we'll wait and see my my estimate is that you know still jordan henderson will make that move on the 27th of january for tax reasons that'll be massively beneficial for him he'll likely go to ajax or juventus probably ajax at this stage but yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been shocked if you had to say it's someone like Fabinho as well, because I think he would fit as a player for Newcastle United, based on their requirement this, at this minute in time as well. So there are, you know, Firmino's being linked right, left, you know, right and left for Chelsea, Fulham at the minute. So to see him end up at Newcastle, I wouldn't be shocked as well. But I actually think, nice. I actually think Fulham is where he potentially could end up. Yeah. Makes sense. I I just think Firmino is better than that. I think he's such a good player. Um, but yeah, I think Newcastle not really rivaling Liverpool at this moment in times. So it doesn't feel like a betrayal. Um, yeah, I think that one that one makes sense if you can do it. Next up, we have Chelsea. Um, probably the most active team of all time. The new ownership has spent over a billion since being there. Do they need to spend a billion more? Who have you got here? I mean, it's mental that you can spend a billion and still have 
a relatively poor squad. No idea how that's ended up, but you're still playing a you know forty six year old at centre half at this minute in time, and have you know a relatively weak keeper. Um, so it's it's very easy to go down the keeper route, I think, in this position because I I'm not convinced by Sanchez in the slightest, but. Chelsea are being linked with Evan Ferguson at the minute for 110 million, which is mental that, you know, that's still something that they might be able to do. But with Newcastle previously being discussed and possibly their financial fair play issues that they have on their cards at the minute, there's talks that they might have to sell. So that's why I've thrown in uh, Alexander Isaac into this one. Um, Isaac or Isaac or whatever the way you want to pronounce it realistically you look at the profile of player that Chelsea need he's pretty ideal I think um and would be nearly a perfect option for them with the well-reported financial issues that they have in place at the minute I don't think you have to pay the money that they'd have to pay for Evan Ferguson and I think he would be a ready-to-go replacement for nobody because they've spent a billion pounds and have don't have a good enough center forward to be their number nine realistically at this minute in time so I think he'd be good to go straight in, allowing Kunku to play off him um, whenever he comes back from injury again. But I think Isaac would be nearly perfect for Chelsea if that's a move he'd be willing to make. Yeah, I mean, would love that. Um, yeah, I do I do think he's a class, class player. I actually think Isaac is perfect for Arsenal in the summer, funnily enough. Um, again, lots of mitigating factors to that, like whether the teams finish... How much money do they have? I put for Chelsea, basically, just don't buy. Like, you've got a squad, work with it. You know you're unlikely to get Champions League now. So just try and build with the current squad you've got. And I think they've got more pressing issues to work out. Is the manager quite the right manager? Who's the starting eleven? Who are three to four players in the summer they need to get rid of? Um, so I looked at getting a new loan for Andre Santos. They've recalled him from Knott's Forest because he wasn't getting any game time there. And I just put insert La Liga team here. Brazilians tend to like La Liga. It's more similarly culturally to back home. Um, Las Palmas, their ninth. No idea if they need a central midfielder, but their ninth in La Liga seems like a nice landing spot um, for someone who's supremely talented and just needs some games. Yeah, sure. I think Nottingham Forest was the wrong move for everybody involved. He was never... It's the wrong move There's... for every player Ever. Yeah, there, there was just so much competition and for you know a young Brazilian footballer's first move in the Premier League, that's just the wrong move altogether. Um, so you're right, he needs to go out and get football, but Chelsea are a spending club, which is why I immediately thought spend rather than sell. So even though they're talking about selling, you know, needing to sell the likes of Conor Gallagher and stuff, but still being linked with a move for 110 million for Evan Ferguson. How does that work? I have zero idea, but Let's move on to the next club. Do you want to go ahead with your selection for Brighton? Yeah, we're getting into one of the shouts of the episode, John, because actually no one does scouting better than Brighton, and you'll see what I've done here. So they're a tad injury hit up top. Um, Mitoma is out, Adingra, March, and Cisco. Um, yeah, they're all out, various different reasons behind those. Um, so, yes, I think they're a little light in numbers there. And there's a guy in the Bundesliga who's got nine league goals this year and a goal and assist every 97 minutes, plays for Stuttgart. But it's not Girassi, the highly touted player. Actually, it's the guy who's stepped up while Girassi has been um, out. And it's Dennis Undav. And the reason I say that I've come up with an incredibly smart, smart move here is because he's actually on loan from Brighton. I'm not going to try and beat Brighton at recruitment because they're so good at it already. But can they pay the relatively small likely penalty of what, maybe 1 million to recall him from his loan? He's in great form. He's previously got Premier League goals when he played for Brighton. They just have a lot of talent and a lot of players up there. Can play striker, can rotate on the wings. Um, I think he's a great option and they should have a real tilt at trying to win the Europa League this year. And he would be exactly the type of player who gives them the numbers to enable them to do that. Yeah, it's not a bad shit at all. Um, it's smart. It's smart business, Robert. That's why you should be a director of football. But I looked at the the wider positions as well with the amount of injuries. I think even Ansu Fadi has picked up an, an injury at the minute as well. 
And um, I was wondering if they could do, you know, like an emergency loan deal for someone like Harvey Elliott for a few for a few months, um, just to get him week in week out starting time. But at the same time, he's incredibly impactful off the bench for us. So I don't really want to do that in the slightest. So yeah, I've just, ended up... just a little note on that. Like emergency loans never seem to be able to happen, but there's more injuries than ever in the league this year. Like if you said, and obviously you might not want to do it with Salah out, but say Salah was like still at Liverpool and say you could loan Harvey Elliott for one month to Brighton. Wouldn't that just be like a sensational deal all round? Yeah, as I'm saying, I, I think those types, of, it's either six months, which are rare. It's normally end of the season, but imagine you could, you know, loan out Harvey Elliott to work with James Milner again, go into a different manager, different environment, different place to live. Um, It would be class for their development, but it, it it's never going to happen, Um, which is why I didn't go down that route. But I think, you know, if you were able to give, you know, I would have preferred to see Fabio Carvalho go there instead of Hull for a few months because he probably would have got game time with the rotation requirements for Europa League football as well. But he's in the situation now with how it turned out with RB Leipzig. He needs to just go and play every single week, week in, week out, be a starter for every game. Um, But I wouldn't have minded to see him going down to work with, you know, Deserby at Brighton. But I've actually went down a, a different route with Brighton. Um. You know, obviously Tarek Lamptey is a player that I admire quite a bit and I think he's a great footballer, but just can't really get a good string of games, whether it's fitness, whether it's form. And obviously Pascal Gross played at right wing back for quite a bit of last season and some of this season as well. And they haven't really fulfilled that role with the definitive player for that position who's able to to do the work that Deserby needs him to do from a defensive and a creative 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 perspective. Um a player that I, I don't think is going to get his number one position at his club at this minute in time because the player in front of him is performing so well that I've went for a bit of a different one and I went for Emerson Royale for Brighton to fulfill that right wing back role and, and sort of go and be a regular footballer for a very good footballing team. So that's my show for Brighton. Nice. I don't hate it. Um, yeah, we actually, again, discussed Spurs a little off camera because they're now in a position, because they've done early business, like what do they do next? And they might need to do an out before and in. And Emerson Royale is one of those types of players who sometimes you need to do a move that sets you back a little bit in the short term to set you forward in the future. It's like Tottenham getting rid of Davinson Sanchez in the summer. For the next six months, it was awful, but it's enabled us to have the money to go get Dragosin now in January. Um, mm-hmm. And Emerson Royale is one of those who I don't think is good enough on the ball to suit Ange long-term. Certainly not at centre-back. Centre-back, yep. just, yeah. Um, so I don't yeah, hate it. No I just can't see Tottenham doing it with the number of injuries that they have had. Um, and yeah, Brighton should be absolutely looking at Tottenham as in their catchable. But I don't hate it. Um, Next up, Man United. It'd be interesting to see what you've done here. Yeah, there's there's two players that I could not separate. And I think either of these signings would be incredible for Man United because it just should fit the strategy that they should have moving forward. And I think with Ineos coming in, I think one would meet their strategy that I think that they will set more based on their previous roles within even Nice when they first went in trying to sign proven Premier League sometimes English players um but even what they've done with Formula One if you look at you know the Mercedes team you've got two British drivers in the Mercedes Formula One team anyone who isn't interested in Formula One it's George Russell and, and Lewis Hamilton and that's why I genuinely wouldn't be shocked to see someone like Graham Potter or even God forbid Gareth Southgate come in at United in the summer because I, I really do believe that he will go for a British route of at his core which is why I think the second name on my list is probably more optional than the first um, but the first is more I just want to see Antonio Silva in the Premier League I think he's an absolutely incredible footballer Varane looks like he, he will make a move over the next six months um, whether it's January whether it's the summer and they will need a new centre half to play alongside 
Lissandro Martinez or Harry Maguire if he comes back. Um, so that's why I went for Antonio Silva as the first choice option, but uh, Brunthwaite is the second. And I think both are potentially, I think Silva has a higher seating, but I think Brunthwaite would be an absolutely incredible signing for Manchester United and might fit the Ineos mould a bit better in regards to a core British signing that I think will be at the club for the next decade. And that might meet what Jim Radcliffe is looking for. 100%. Try and take advantage of the situation if you can. 55, 60 if you're looking at a buying team. Obviously, I mentioned in the last episode, Everton might want to try and look and squeeze 80, but it really depends how much of a bidding war there is there. Um, If I was Man United, I actually put right now, just keep the faith. I think they've got a few more players back from injury. Rashford and Hoyland both got goals at the weekend. The one thing I will say about Man United is they're somehow always skint, despite having the highest revenues of any club ever, basically. Um, So I think it's a good time to try and sell because he's had a decent year this year. But I think it's a good time to sell Scott McTominay. Um, And then, again, if you're going to keep faith with Ten Hag, I'm not necessarily sure that's the right system. But the whole Ineos and bringing in a better director of football means that you should buy players who are like right for the club and the style of player style of play of the club and then it's mm-hmm. down to your manager to deliver that so i yeah. actually looked at getting 30 million for mctominay and then getting in kefran taram who i think would cost you similar kind of money 25 30 million potentially help man united with one of their big issues at the minute which is their defense and their attack just look like two completely separate things he's obviously mm-hmm. a fantastic ball carrier um He's younger than McTominay. McTominay by Neville and various others is said to be this young player. He's not that young. He's 26, 27. You got offered 30 million from West Ham in the summer. Can you come back and deal at 35? Go get Kefran Taram for even cheaper. Save money on his wages. And that's exactly the type of rebuilding that Man United need to do in the new era. Yeah, proper, proper footballer. Will get preferential fees probably with Nice um, due to that Ineos connection. And um, yeah, really, really top level footballer. If you haven't seen him, if you haven't watched a lot of Liga, and another one that I was actually looking at was Fafana at Monaco as another player who could play that six, um, but really strong ball carrier at the same time as well. So solid option. Uh, completely agree. He would add significantly to that Manchester United midfield um, in that number eight position to allow the likes of Fernandez to go and play more, but. They do need to make, I think, multiple different position signings. Um, they've spent two hundred million and still don't have a decent right winger, so that's probably an option that they need to look at as well. But maybe something for the summer. And we, you know, I had previously said about Michael Elise. So whether you can get that done in the summer for about sixty million, we'll wait and see. But let's move on to West Ham. You mentioned them with Scott McTominay. Who should they be going for in January? Scott McTominay. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, so I mentioned in the last episode, Philip Billing. I actually think that's possibly one of the more interesting um, things for them to go do. Kind of reincarnate what Moyes has done previously with um, Marouane Fellaini, most notably. But actually, I really like what West Ham have been able to do in players like Paqueta, players like Kudus. If you actually look at their squad at the minute, though, Bowen's injured, Antonio's injured, Paqueta's injured, and Kudos is at AFCON. So they definitely need some kind of short-term cover. I think if you've been reading paper rumours, they've been linked with Bergvine. Um, But I actually think they should go get Amin Guiri out of Rennes. Three goals and assist in the league this year. It's not stellar, stellar numbers, but it's really exciting kind of talent. Three goals in the Europa League really kind of showcases the quality and that he's exactly the right type of level for West Ham. It's 28 million euros valuation on transfer marks. If you're dealing around the 30 to 35 million, I think he's perfect. And with Paqueta potentially facing a ban or even maybe getting a high value move next year, obviously City were interested in the summer. I don't think that will necessarily go away. Um, He is exactly the type of player that West Ham have proven that they can now um, help settle. I think previously they've had lots of these kind of fancy European players and not quite had the coherent system or manager to make work but now um 
yeah, obviously they have a track record. I think Ben Rama overall has been brilliant. I think uh, Pablo Sarabia, who I could not believe is apparently still only 27. Um, not sorry, not Sarabia. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Pablo Fornals um, is only 27. So yeah, stacked with talent. Why not add in another one now whilst you're somewhat light in numbers? Yeah, yep, all fair. Um, all fair points. I, th- I do think they need to add something creatively. There you go, that's the right word, creatively, um, to try to increase the amount of goals. I think there is a heavy reliance on Jared Bowen this season uh, from an output perspective. And obviously you've got Kudus, but he's going to be away as well. I actually somewhat disagree with, I think Ben Rama has been decent, but I, I think he's nearly done at West Ham I wouldn't be shocked if they were open to selling him uh, probably the same yeah. for Fornals as well sorry um, ben, ben Rama and Fornals were overall I think they've been hit like ultimately West Ham have won silverware now but I agree yeah. I think like Ben Rama could be an easy upgrade and you should take any money you can get for him yeah 100% I mean Jerobo one is playing through the middle at the minute I think that's a sign that they they should go and you know, they don't trust the centre forwards that are there. You know, Antonio doesn't have the legs anymore and isn't prolific enough to get them to where they need to get to. I'm saying that, like, this is probably one of the most underrated, under-the-radar seasons that we've seen of a club in recent years. You know, we've talked about Newcastle, Chelsea, Brighton, United before we've got to West Ham in sixth place, still going strong in, in Europe as well. Uh, but I still think they need to bolster. Uh, we've spoken way too many times about Jonathan David, and, you know, a big club really should have been in to sign him for around 40 million euro last summer. I think still think West Ham would have been ideal for Jonathan David and probably still would be. But I'm just going to throw, I think, I think this name has been mentioned with them in the past um, and potentially in the future as well. And it is Dominic Solanke. I think he is top class, normal, nearly a player that I threw in for Chelsea in ter- regards to a return to Stamford Bridge, um, obviously where he did his youth system through. Um, but that would be a significant upgrade. It would be a significant upgrade in terms of the level of threat and goal output for a centre forward at West Ham. And would definitely meet the Moyd style player where he's big, strong, can hold the ball up, but has significant pace in behind. So Solanke for me, or a player of that ilk, would be ideal for West Ham because they probably need to get Bowen back on the wing. If you had Kudus on the left, Bowen on the right, and a free-flowing, fast centre-forward who can score goals like Dominic Solanke, then that would be an incredibly strong front three. Agreed. Yeah, that that would be Moyes' wet dream, you could, you could argue, for sure. Uh, next up, we have the best club in the world, um, as the chant goes, that every club seems to sing the finest team the world has ever seen. Um, who's your bit of business for Spurs? Yeah, I went ahead and put my Paratici cap on here. Um, tried to think a little bit outside the box. Because I think realistically, looking at Spurs, they've done a lot of the business they need to do very early in the transfer window. You know, they needed to sign, they needed to get rid of Hugo Lloris. They needed to sign another centre-half. And, you know, they got Timo Werner done, which adds, you know, extra legs or extra players in the wider positions, um, which they needed to do as well, following, um, you know, obviously Son going to the Asian Cup, a few injuries in those positions. I'm looking at the centre midfield positions. Obviously, Oliver Skip is still playing a decent amount of games. Hoiberg looks like, you know, he could stay or he could leave. You know, flick of a coin, you don't really know what way that's going to go. And a player that I've looked at... um, has played some games, probably not a sort of out-and-out starter this season for his club, which is probably the first time in six, seven seasons that ha- that hasn't been the case, but someone who provides that extra level creativity output and I think would be an excellent player for Spurs if it was to happen, would be Lorenzo Pellegrini at uh, Roma. This season, he's only played 12 games, scored two goals. You look at last season, 32 games, four goals, five assists. The year before that, 28 games, nine goals, five assists. So he can create and score from that central position. I think he's been linked with Spurs previously in the past um, and would provide that extra level of backup with the eight and with the 10 position. I think we've seen how important Benton Kerr is for Spurs in recent weeks. 
Obviously, we've seen how important Madison has been and is for Spurs following the start of the season and since he's been out injured. And I think he provides backup and rotation capabilities for both of those positions, um, as well as offering you know significant quality to Spurs, probably at a time where he could be available, which is the first time in many years that might be the case. I absolutely love that shout. I really like Lorenzo Pellegrini as a player. So yeah, I think he does that. I think he's been captain before, so would offer uh, leadership qualities in there as well. Yeah, really good kind of from deep creator and would give Spurs something we don't necessarily have. Um, so yeah, I really like that shout. And actually, it probably goes quite well in tandem with mine, who is, considering he got a couple of goals recently, again, sometimes you just got to trade players when they're on a high. Giovanni Lo is made of biscuits. Um, can you get 20 million for him? Barca are interested, I think. Like that's probably going back to the days when Messi loved him and obviously they're big pals from the Argentinian setup. Um Napoli could be an option for him as well. So there there are clubs who will come in. If you can get fifteen to twenty million for Giovanni Lacelso, I actually really like him as a player, but go do it and trade up for Pellegrini because Giovanni Lacelso realistically is available for ten Premier League games a year, which just isn't going to cut it when you've seen the number of injuries that teams are getting this year with the amount of football you're playing now. You need those players to be reliable. And unfortunately, with a heavy heart, he isn't. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, we're on to the top four. So the boys that are in for Champions League football, obviously fifth might still go there. Um, We're hitting the top four, starting off with the team who were top at Christmas. So do you want to hit me with your Arsenal recommendation? Yeah, and unfortunately, John, I have been a little lazy with this because in part two, or part one, rather, I did say that Arsenal should try and sell or at least loan Reese Nelson to Crystal Palace. So I'm going to stay consistent because I'll give you the more interesting narrative. Arsenal have been linked big time with a striker. I do feel like there is a Declan Rice-esque signing to be done there in that you go out, you get like the guy. And hopefully that kind of fixes your issues with a currently dysfunctional attack. But as well, a lot has been talked about kind of cover at right wing. You do have Reese Nelson at right wing. So if you are bringing a right winger, um, you've got to make a decision on him. And I think, again, good time to sell. At this moment in time, could you get 10 to 15 million? Could you loan him out for six months and look at increasing his value so you can get much better value for him in the future? I think it's time Arsenal looked at that because between him, between Smith Rowe, you've got all of these players who are kind of like highly tipped and you look at Arsenal's squad and you say it's a brilliant squad. Realistically, these guys are playing little to no football at this moment in time. They're losing value. They're becoming less useful when they do play because they can't string games together and get any kind of form. Good time to sell. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, Smith Rowe nearly was my player that I was going to write sell or loan. Probably loan would be an option just because he just doesn't seem to meet Mikel Arteta's requirements. They've had so many reasons as to why they should rotate that front three, um, especially with Martinelli not being really in form yet and Havertz's form sort of going down a bit, even in that midfield three as well. But Smith Rowe, who is versatile and who could play multiple positions, just has not been able to get a, a string of games or or re- any real opportunity there. So I nearly went for that, but I didn't. Um, last week on last week's podcast, they obviously threw out Karen Benzema to Arsenal on a six month loan. Um, it's now come out that he is unhappy and a short term loan option might be available. So you know that would be a great option, but you know I called that one last week and I don't want to be lazy. Um, and you know like yourself, picking Reese Nelson. So I went for the next lazy option, which was the same recommendation I made in the summer to Arsenal. I still think, you know, the point that I made then absolutely stands based on the performances he's put in this season for Bayern Leverkusen. And that is Jeremy Frimpong um, for the right back position. He's played 17 games in the Bundesliga this season, um, scoring five goals and seven assists from right back. And the reason why I still think this recommendation works is a number of different fronts. We've seen... You know, Saka in and out of form this summer, Martinelli in and out of form this uh, this summer, this season. And, you know, they've had to try to take on players and then swing the ball into the box rather than being able to take on players and be real go threats themselves from a wider position. 
So if they could leverage extra creativity from the right back position, whether he's coming, you know, he's going wide or coming centrally, Jeremy Frimpong is a threat, even as a right back. And he provides that extra level of creativity that Ben White does not. And following on from the injury of, of Timber, who looked like he would be that inverted fullback, um, you know, Sinchenko has not picked up the reins. He's been really poor this season, I think, actually. Ben White doesn't provide that creativity that you need. So you're heavily reliant on the front three performing because Kai Havertz has scored some big goals so far for Arsenal, but isn't consistent with the, the output that he has. So they need different dynamics that will lead to more goals. And I think Frimpong provides that. The last point I'll make is he has a 40 million euro release clause this summer. So if they don't go in for him now, they're not going to get him. I think if they don't get him this summer, he will likely end up at either Real Madrid or Man City in the summer with the low cost of that release clause being so affordable to so many different clubs. There will be competition there. Um, there, there will likely be the top 10 clubs in the world going for him this summer because that's so inexpensive for a player of his quality at 23 years old. So, And he's just turned 23, by the way. So I think he should be on the radar for Arsenal. He should be the one that they spend their funds on. And um, I think extra creativity in different positions on the pitch would lead to more output from the likes of Saka and Martinelli because it would change the way teams would have to set up defensively against Arsenal. Yeah, I agree. Some Somehow Arsenal seem blunt at the minute and weaponless. I think it's a mix of too many minutes for their forward players. And yeah, as you say, it's maybe slight lacking of new tactical threats, basically, to be able to throw in there. I think it's one thing that's underappreciated with Pep, but like for all of the talk of Tiki Taka, he doesn't half have a number of different ways to win a game, whether that's his big defenders now getting the set piece goals or a Doku take on or whatever it is. Like the reason they are so good is because of the number of threats that they have. Next up, we have Villa. Um, I talk about them quite a lot on this pod. I've been so impressed with them. I've put that they probably need all the numbers that they can for a Europa League push. There are some players that you could sell like a Dundonka, but like, why not? You're in the conference league. Um, you're potentially well, you're in a title challenge at the minute. Like, why not just keep the squad harmonious and ticking over as it is? Um, but I think one interesting thing that they could do, Tottenham have started doing this. They did it with Udogi. They did it with Pat Matasar. Is the buy in January and loan back or buy and loan back for a season. So he's very hot property at the moment. But what about Villa stealing a march and going to get Hayden Hackney? It will help their homegrown quota. Um, He's English, playing at Middlesbrough at the moment. You might recognise his name because he got the goal, winning goal against Chelsea in the quarter uh, in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup um, this last week. But yeah, really strong passing. Nine, top ninety-two percent for stats for passing. He's top ninety-two percent for carrying as well. So this is an excellent defensive-minded midfielder, but actually someone who can really help you launch your attacks and launch your play forward. And again, I think this is such smart business because I don't know if Man City have a buyback on Douglas Louise. I suspect that they don't, but they might have a sell-on clause. And I wouldn't be that surprised to see Man City come in for him sometime soon. So I think Villa, future-proof the squad a bit. Go and see if you can get this done whilst no one else is competing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually very similar to one that I nearly went for. I very, 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 very nearly went for a really similar option for Archie Gray at Leeds as well um, if they could have went in and then sent him back on loan for the rest of the season and brought him in next season but the one position that was sort of overarching for me is I think that Unai Emery's team is, is sort of set he does have those rotation options that you know with Diaby and with Bailey and Zaniolo one player that sort of screams to me that he just doesn't fully trust him is Matty Cash at right back even though I, I like Matty Cash very much so as a, as a player um, I think that right back position is up for grabs. He's played, you know, Emmy Consa there for a significant period of the um, the season, and that's why I thought I'd throw out uh, Denzel Dumfries. Uh, Inter Milan are a selling club. He would provide that extra attacking function that maybe he doesn't want because you know Luca Digne is so attacking. But I think having that function available to him would be beneficial. 
Um, if you could have Kamara sitting a bit deeper to allow both fullbacks to go, then that could be an option. Obviously, a significant attacking threat as well. 15 games in Serie A this season, two goals, three assists. Could provide a different dynamic to Aston Villa. And obviously, they're sitting in third position at this minute in time, pushing for Champions League football. And probably one of the clubs in the division that are not uh, will not be impacted by financial fair play because they have very rich owners and a pretty decent financial stability uh, positioning right now that if they needed to go and spend to try and stabilize and ensure that they got top four, they would be able to. So could be an option where they go for some big hitters in January to solidify their position as a top four club. Yeah, I like it. Agree pretty much everything you say. And it's one of those, it was um, the Moose of wasn't it? I was like, they'll never get him, but they've shown with their ambition with what they can put together as packages that they can come and get some of this elite talent. So yeah, why not? I think Demsel Dumfries is quite arguably the best right back in the world. Um, so it'd be a heck of a statement of intent if they could go do that. Man City, I think you, up next. You, uh, you pronounced Trent Alexander-Arnold wrong there. Um, just wanted to make sure you're yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, Trent Alexander midfielder because he's so bad at defending. They've had to put him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Man City unfamiliar territory currently second um but my god do they look a better team now de bruyne is back the one thing i will say yeah he's just sensational isn't he's he so good um, the one thing i will say is they're actually a bit light on numbers so man city do this pep likes his 20 or so man squad um but we've seen this season um i do think it's something they'll look to rectify next year because man city have got lucky ish um, obviously, De Bruyne has been out, Haaland's been out, um, but they haven't had kind of these eight to ten reeking injury lists that have um, hit Man City, that have hit United at uh, Man City, Man United, Tottenham, Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I do kind of feel like they will tr- address that in the summer because they've realised that it's not quite what it used to be um, anymore in terms of the squad depth that you need. So, yeah. I think they should go and get the De Bruyne region that is Arthur Vermeeren. Um, you might recognise him from getting a winner for Royal Am- um, for Antwerp versus Barcelona in the Champions League this year. Um, fantastic young player, only 18. Midfielder who seems to have a bit of everything. He's got passing, he's got dribbling, like real kind of live wire and energy. Um Man United are currently linked, so getting ahead of them would be good. I reckon he'd set you back about 30 million. You could probably put some of those numbers as performance-based as well. But yeah, buy potentially with a loan back clause. Or just put your feet down and say, we are Man City, currently the best club in the world. We want him. He's a good option. But yeah, I think he's an excellent option for them who wouldn't demand consistent game time and therefore disrupt some of the harmony um and disrupt pathways to someone like oscar bob um so yeah awesome player i think man city should be looking at regenning that midfield and he's someone who would enable them to do it yeah i mean for me midfield is the position that i picked as well i think you look at city and why they haven't performed to the levels that they were at last season and number one it's, it's very very difficult whenever you went so far in nearly every competition last season um second reason is you know you've had some key players missing you know you john stones who's the best center half in the club has been unavailable which means that you know diaz has not been great um Gavardiol has went under the the radar and has not been great either um we talked at the start of the season saying kovacic was not the right man for them i think that's been proven um you know neves was not the right man for them um i think that's also been proven and it's just about trying to get the defence solidified, get the midfield solidified. De Bruyne has come back in and has proven he's probably the best player in the league. And he's just absolutely phenomenal. Without De Bruyne at the weekend, they don't win that game. They don't, mightn't even draw the game, but they certainly don't win it. He's just an absolute phenomenon. And what a footballer he is. For me, though, there's still ways in which you can improve that midfield. Um, there's always question marks over Bernardo Silva whether he's going to play as that third midfielder, especially when De Bruyne is there, whether he's going to be at the club or whether he's going to you know, cause some form of unrest in the summer. I think he has done most summers that he's been there. Um, you know, we've, 
proven that the two midfielders they signed in the summer are not of Man City's quality. Uh, Calvin Phillips is not a player that Pep wants at the club either. So you've got three midfielders there that are not at the level that Pep needs them to be at. So for me, midfield is the obvious option. Um, again, tapping into Newcastle's financial fair play problems and their willingness to do business in the market. For me, that leads itself open to a swap deal plus money for Bruno Gamarais. For Ooh. me, you'd, you'd go in initial offer 50 million plus Calvin Phillips for Bruno Gamarais. would get you semi-close. You could argue would get you semi-close to, I think it's a 95 million pound release clause that he has. Um, that might be enough to sort of twist their arm and the fact that they're getting a player plus 50 million pound cash to sort of balance the books and not a win-win for Newcastle or whatsoever because I think Bruno Gamarais is an incredible footballer who would be an incredible signing for most clubs in world football but I think he would be an absolutely incredible footballer for Manchester City can play that six whenever Rodri's unavailable can play the eight really effectively and be a creative force moving forward but would also allow De Bruyne to go and do his stuff a little bit further in the field as he gets older and maybe isn't able to work up and down. Um, but I think he's an absolutely ideal st- signing for Man City, um, both now and for the future. Yeah, I like it. It's the type of one I can see getting done. The only thing I'd say with kind of more defensive CMs is I like them to have a few more years. So like... It's actually such a hard position to recruit for because you need to try and find that player, in my opinion, who's 22 to 25, who can be incredibly hard to talent scout for because they haven't hit their peak. But you look at Casemiro, for instance, um, giving him a five-year deal when he was 30, that was clearly too late. Kante's legs towards the end of his time at Chelsea had gone, even though I think you would always say that that deal was worth it. So mm-hmm. Bruno, I think he's 26, maybe. Um, so my, my point is, it's just a very easy position to overspend on. Um, but I think he's got enough in his technical passing game, as you say, that he doesn't necessarily have to play the lights out defensive mid role. Um, yeah, he, he would be a super interesting one and definitely someone who would add. Um, yeah, I think they would firmly become title favourites if they could add him into their mix for sure. Um, which leads us on to title topping Liverpool so far. We've been accused of being a Liverpool fan cast um, <laughs> at this moment in time for how waxing lyrical you are about Liverpool. Um, but I'd be interested to see what is the deal that you would do? What um, what helps Liverpool potentially win a Premier League here? Yeah, the, I mean, the difficulty is, again, you don't want to make a short-term signing to try and do that. Um, I think that there is solutions within the squad at this minute in time. Um, you even look at the signing of Votoro Endo. You know, he's a 30-year-old centre midfielder who shows why we need a number six whenever he does play because he's been outstanding um, from December onwards, really. he, As I mentioned last, he was our player of the month for December. But you feel like it's a stopgap to enable that route through to the first team for stepping by Cecic, um, with Thiago potentially being there till the end of the season and, and possibly for another year onwards as well. You then look at defence. Um, you know, Virgil is ageing, and but doesn't look like he's slowing down. But then you look at the likes of Kwanzaa coming through, who's been sensational. Um, Kanate is still very young, but also sensational. Matip has ruptured his ACL, so you probably need, you know, his time at Liverpool is likely done. And you will need some centre-half coverage. But for me, the obvious name that I was going to go down, but I knew you'd, you'd make fun of it, would be Inacio from uh, Sporting Lisbon to be able to play that left-sided centre-half role. Um, but also covering as an inverted fullback if that's a requirement. But I haven't went for him. Um, fundamentally, I've you know I've went for again a club that might need to sell before they buy, and certainly need to buy, so they might need to sell, and that is Chelsea's Levi Colwell, um, long term replacement for Virgil Van Dijk as that left sided centre half, an unbelievable footballer. Um, obviously playing at left back at this minute in time because he, he can do that um, and he's proven he can do that to be able to see him excel at a team that he supported as a kid in a stable environment would bring the best out of him for club and country and he'd be an incredible signing for Liverpool if we were able to get him um, with their potential requirements to sell the likes of him or you know if they're willing to sell Conor Gallagher 
who's been arguably their best midfielder this season. They may be willing to sell Levi Colwell, who's been, you know, who probably is their best defender. So my argument would be test the waters, try it out, see what happens. Nice. Yeah, I think um, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, they've shown that they don't mind selling academy prospects. Actually, Levi Colwell was possibly the only one who they really doubled down and were like, no, because Brighton came back for him in the summer. Um, yeah, playing him at left back, I'm not entirely sure is the answer. I don't think he'd be too happy with that. He did actually come out in an interview recently and said like he's not used to it. I think he's he's happy to be playing games for Chelsea, but if they don't get Europe this year or Europe next year, would he continue to be happy there? Um, so yeah, that would be an excellent bit of business. I actually went way more tame, to be honest, and mine was sell Reese Williams. Um, caveat, end of the window only, just to kind of get you some coverage, but also uh, both Simicas and Robertson are reportedly two to four weeks back, I think. So at the end of the window, just make sure you are covered. Um, but I think Cons is so good. Um, I really like everything I've seen of him so far. Yes, he's young. He might make some mistakes, but I think he's so worth dealing with. I think yeah. Endo's really stepped into his own recently as well. Um, so agreed. I think DM or centre-back, like really you should step up and go for a lights out one in the summer and not panic too much now. Um, yeah, I, I actually think it's a mistake buying a centre-back right now because you don't see how good Kwanzaa can become. And I know that's not necessarily a wanted thing in a title race, but like we've seen players from January step up before. Raheem Sterling that season under um, Brendan Rodgers was, didn't really seem to do all that much for you in the first half of the year, was absolutely lights out in the second half of the year. So it can happen with young players. They kind of just need to be given the chance to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, my only concern right now is if we were to be hit with a Virgil van Dijk ACL injury again, would I feel confident in Kanate and Kwanzaa till the end of the season as a title charge? I'm not 100% certain. Obviously, Joe Gomez has actually been sensational for us this season at right back, left back, centre half, wherever he's been asked to play. Um, but it's still at the same time. If Virgil van Dijk was to step out of that Liverpool team, there's a significant void and you might need some additional quality to be able to back you up in those positions. Um, and a young, upcoming talent who you can nurture through playing in different positions before you know your long-term approach would be that left-sided centre half position that Virgil van Dijk currently holds would be possibly beneficial. Um, but please pull a different name out of your hole because we cannot finish this podcast with Reese Williams. Um, so I would beg of you to just come up with something a little bit more creative. Um, okay. Mentioned him before. Kefran Taram, I think, would be a super interesting option. Um, yeah, and I do wonder if Liverpool have really sorted their striker needs. Um, you mentioned Isaac earlier for Chelsea. I do think... Um, if you can get him for Liverpool, that would be a sensational bit of business. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone who potentially is a better name for striker. Um, again, you mentioned Inter's uh, money issues. Can you go put in a bid for Lautaro Martinez and see where that gets you? So yeah, I think there's there's a few bigger, more sexy names that you can do. Um, I think that goes for all of the Premier League, really. But January is notoriously hard to deal with anyway. And yeah, sometimes January is about getting these small little bit of sales done that enable you to go do the big thing in the summer. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm not sure if any of them work, but I'm just really thankful we didn't finish with Reese Williams. So I appreciate that. Um, anything you want to say to the listeners now that that is our full list done? And it's uh, it's been a highly enjoyable podcast across two different episodes and some really good recommendations in there uh, before you get on to the message to the listeners any particular pick you really liked um was there i really liked a lot of my own that is for certain nice. um, i liked bruno gimaraes to man city uh is the one that comes to my head i think that 
yeah, as you mentioned, gives them Rodri cover whilst also giving them upgrades on your likes of Nunez in terms of what they can do, ball progression. So as scary as it would be them having another option to their team, I think that's a really solid pick. Um, same question back to you. Um, Reese Nelson for for two positions was uh, an inspired selection. So go for that one. Um, but yeah, after two long episodes, um, solid options across the board. I think it's good research. I liked the Club America centre half uh, for Sheffield United was my favourite pick out of the bunch. Yeah, I've really been delving into the Mexican league for that one. Um, yeah. In terms of what the listeners can do for us, blast the podcast really keep listening we appreciate every listener um and yeah this week just have a think about someone who likes footy who you'd like to share this with um i've seen a few football commentary channels doing similar kind of stuff to this and their suggestions have been horrendous not well researched paper talk at best as in kind of just using names who were already linked to some of the clubs like that is boring which other podcast is giving you research into all of the various leagues that we've gone into in today's episode I think with the Belgian league with the Mexican league I think we probably ended up with players across six or seven different leagues between our uh, 40 picks there so yeah I think if you are really into your football this is the pod for you and I would also get excited because John I'll actually discuss with this with you off camera but I've uh, been lining up some guests for us as well interesting this is exclusive news i don't even know this so this sounds great um yeah it'd be good to get some guests on change up the dynamic of the conversations a bit and uh, and add an additional tone or tones of voice to the conversations moving forward uh, for the listeners that would be probably quite exciting rather than just listening to us two the whole time but uh, that'll be good fun be change up the different styles of podcasts that we do and, and they'll be good moving forward um any hints or any hints we, we, you want to put out in regards to who you know, those guests might be or future podcasts coming up? Um, our listeners, please get in touch with us in Instagram DMs about who you want to hear from. Um, I won't put it into the atmosphere right now, just in case it doesn't happen. Um, but yes, I think uh, I think different types of football conversation. That's what I can uh, I can allude to now. Um, and yes, potentially it's messy. Like, keep listening to us because it might be messy. Might is a good word. Let's not promise anything. Yeah, you can't sue might. (laughs) Excellent. Rob, highly enjoyable. Love those episodes. Um, What else should listeners go and do? Follow us across socials. Um, Yeah, that's a big help too. Um, Yeah, and that's all I have to really say on that note. Um, Also, it does help if you could like the podcast on spotify give it a rating as well that always um helps us out too so yeah i think that's uh that probably summarizes things nicely there brilliant appreciate it rob always good to chat cheers john catch you later